1, verses 12 through 14, and then we'll flip over to chapter 4 and finish up there with verses 21 through 23. Chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, chapter 4, 21 through 23. say thank you to the men that were able to be with us in our men's fellowship on Friday night. We had venison burgers for the second month in a row. They were such a, a hit last time. and kind of It was kind of so easy for me to make. We made them again. Uh, can't go wrong uh, with venison burgers. I haven't had any complaints yet. and uh, I love them myself. So I uh, had a good time in the Word, Brother David brought an excellent word on substance abuse, not not talking about drugs, but uh, use the prodigal son. He wasted his substance with riotous living. And then he said, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And uh, he preached on faith and things that hinder our faith or try to destroy our faith took that angle for substance abuse and substance of uh, things hope for our faith. And uh, faith has taken a big hit in the day and the hour we live in. But the Bible said faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If we'll hear what the word of the Lord says this morning, he'll, he'll give us faith. Faith to be overcomers, faith to be saved, healed, delivered, or whatever your need is this morning. Our God is our solution. Let's look to the word of God together. Philippians 1 and verse number 12. But I, I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. So that my, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my, by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He's writing this epistle to the church in Caesarea Philippi while he's in a Roman prison awaiting execution. Think about that. He's in prison with a death sentence over his head and he's writing to encourage the church. And he said, this has all happened to me. This has fallen out under the furtherance of the gospel. He said, there were people in the palace that needed to hear the word of God. There were prison guards and keepers of the prison that needed to hear the word of God. And people needed to see me in bonds serving God with the peace of God and the joy of the Holy Ghost so that they in turn could have boldness yeah, yeah. to speak the word without fear. Right. Then in verse 21 of chapter number 4, he's closing out the epistle. These are his final words to this church. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints 
salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All the saints salute you chiefly or meaning especially they that are of Caesar's household. I want to preach to you on uh, saints in Caesar's house. Saints in Caesar's house. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. I pray and ask you that you'll speak to our heart through by the word of God and by your spirit. God, I ask you that you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what the Spirit would say to the church. I've prayed that prayer many, many times. But oh, God, I ask you, as you anoint me to preach, God, do a work in your people this morning. God, to the furtherance of the gospel, that people would speak the word in these last days with boldness so that all might hear, whether it be in a classroom setting of a public school whether it be in a public and secular university, whether it be on a construction site, whether it be in a board room, whether it be in a hospital room, oh God, wherever it might be, anoint us to speak the word of God with boldness so that all might hear and hear it, they might believe and be saved. Grant it, we pray. Meet every need through Christ is our prayer in Jesus' name. If you love him, would you say amen? Saints in Caesar's house. In opening the message, God spoke to my heart and just began to show me that before the Apostle Paul being thrown in prison and before saints being saved in the household of Caesar himself, there were a lot before them that had been saints in very difficult places in very dire situations and circumstances. One such man would, could be found in Genesis chapter 39 by the name of Joseph. Upon his arrival in Egypt, after being cast into a pit by his own brothers, and we'll say that again, by his own brothers, and sold to a band of Ishmaelites, was then carried by the Ishmaelites into Egypt and sold unto one Potiphar, who was a soldier in the Egyptian army, a ruler of men. He was approached repeatedly by Potiphar's wife, who tried to get him to lie with her, that is, to commit adultery with her. And the Bible said that he refused choosing with his life to honor God at the expense of his own freedom. The Bible said he refused and he remained true to God. And she, upon his refusal, grabbed a hold of him and he pulled away and ran from her, leaving his garment in her hand, which she showed her husband and said out of anger he tried to force himself upon me. He was accused for a crime he did not commit. I want to say that again. He was accused of a crime he did not commit. He was then cast into prison 
But even there, God was his God. If you were to walk through the corridors of that prison, what are the chances that a prophet would be in prison? What are the chances that if you needed a miracle, there was a man in prison in whom dwelled the Spirit of God? There was a butler there, and there was a baker there, both of whom were under a death sentence. He prophesied to the baker that he's going to lift your head from you. He prophesied to the butler, you're going to be restored to your position. And it fell just like he said. God fulfilled his words. That butler, I don't know if he was married. I don't know if he had any kids. But if he, if he did, years down the road, he's got his grandbaby on his knee. And say, baby, don't ever discount the fact that God's got somebody everywhere. Because when I needed deliverance, God had a man of God in that prison. <laughs> I, I, I used to preach in the prisons twice a week. And somebody told me, well, I'm glad God called you. Because as far as I'm concerned, they can all rot. That's where they belong. They're serving a just sentence that matches their crime. He said, I had somebody break in on my uncle years ago. They broke in to rob the place. They didn't know my uncle was there. There was a struggle. They shot and killed my uncle. They, they were found out. And they got sentenced to life in prison. I want them to rot there. He killed my uncle. He deserves to go to hell. I said, well, the strange thing is you're a free man and you deserve to go to hell. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and But not for the grace of God, we would all be in hell. And if you got what you deserved along the way, we'd all be dead. And I said, how can you be a minister of the gospel and just cast people off and basically just say, you deserve hell. You, you just go there. Just leave without hope. Leave without help. Sometimes I, I preached to a number of young men in there. They were in their early 20s. They committed three felonies. And they fell under Bill Clinton's approved law, three strikes and you're out. While that sounded good, you were 18 years old running with the wrong crowd. You got arrested for drugs, and that felt, that was a felony account. And you just did very little time, and you got mixed up with those same friends, and you got arrested for drugs again, and got out and got arrested for drugs again. Guess what? You got life without parole. Life without. Every one of them boys in that prison at some time or another had attempted to commit suicide. I won't ever forget Brother A.T. Gilbert. He was one of the yard preachers, we called him. He was a preacher in the prison. And he said, I was doing life without, just three felony drug raps, life without. He's a young man. His wife's in the free world. His kids are in the free world. He's grown up now. He's older now. And he realizes, I ruined my life with wrong choices. I wasted my life. I've destroyed my life. 
he was in solitary confinement, and he said, I stripped down, didn't have any clothes on, I pulled the light switch, I got it out with a spoon, I pulled the wires out, he said, I poured my water out on the floor, and I'm standing there in that puddle of water, and I, I want to grab a hold of those wires to try to electrocute myself because I got no hope left in this world. I just want to die. And he said, I heard a voice from somewhere outside of that room that said, A.T., don't do it. I'm your hope. I love you. He said, I knew it was God. I turned the wires loose, mopped the puddle of water up, put my prisoner guard back on, knelt at the bed, asked Jesus to save me. He said, now my purpose for living is to give men in this prison yard the same hope that God gave me in, a, in an isolation chamber. He said, he's my hope, Brother Eddie, everywhere I am. If it's in a prison cell or if he allows me to get back out in the free world, he's my hope everywhere I am. I want to tell you there are saints still today in Caesar's house. Joseph was such a saint. We read Daniel and the three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel were such saints. Babylon was a land of sin and excess. A foreign land with strange gods. Daniel was carried captive, captive into this land when Israel was invaded by Nebuchadnezzar. He was 16 years old, a teenage boy, when he got there. Handpicked to serve in Nebuchadnezzar's government office, in the highest office in the land. But in Daniel 1 and 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let me with my life honor my God. I don't want to eat meat that's been offered to idols. I don't want to drink the wine. Let me honor God with my life. This statement is the characteristic of his behavior while being in the king's palace. In the king. What are the odds that in a heathen king's household of men that he appoints to be his wise men, his counselors, that God's going to have four young teenage boys full of the Spirit of God that won't be in awe of all the luxury and all the excess sin that's being made available to us. Hey, you can do whatever you want. You ain't in Israel anymore. You can have any woman you want. You can eat any food you want. You can drink all the wine you want. You're in the king's palace now. No, no, the king's going to need me. He's going to dream a dream. And if there ain't a man of God to interpret the dream, 
This whole nation's going to perish. <laughs> oh, yeah. King's going to need me. God's going to need me. You know that God uses people in strategic times, in strategic places. God's got somebody where he needs to move, where he needs to work. Listen, he said, chapter 6, we find governors and rulers who were jealous of Daniel. The favor that God had placed upon his life with the king, and they were jealous, and they sought to destroy him. And they said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. If, we, if we're going to find this man guilty of something, it's going to be guilty of being faithful to God. I like that. We need to make a law against prayer because we know this dude's going to pray. If there's a law against praying, we can get it. We need to carve us out a statue of the king and tell everybody when they hear the music playing and when they see the statue of the king, they got to bow down and worship the image. And then we'll get his buddies too because we know they ain't going to bow. They were so faithful that that is the only way their accusers could find fault there. They were faithful to a fault. Make a law in this land that believers can't congregate together and pray together and worship God together, then I'm going to be a lawbreaker. Make a law in this land that you can't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you make me a lawbreaker. Create a law in the land that says uh, that I have to worship uh, anything or anybody other than Jesus Christ, uh, and you make me a lawbreaker. Faithful to a thought. Faithful to your own hurt uh, and damage. Then number me among the faithful. Then call me a saint uh, in Caesar's house. Amen. They suggested to the king that anyone who prays to any god or man for 30 days except for you, O king, they should be cast into the lion's den. And the king, without thinking, said, you know, that's a great law. Let's, let's make that law. And they said, hey, we caught Daniel, your favorite advisor. We caught old Daniel this morning with his windows open, praying back toward the city of Jerusalem unto his God that he calls Lord. It's your law, king. Got to cast him into the lion's den now. The threat of the lion's den didn't move Daniel. He continued to pray like he always did. When cast into the den of lions, uh, he didn't waver. Even the king said unto Daniel, your God, whom ye serve continually, he will deliver you. Hallelujah. The three Hebrew children of the land of idols refused to bow down and worship the image of the king. No power other than that from above could move them, sway them, or turn them. A furnace of fire did not remove them from their faith. They were indeed, all of them, 
saints in the king's palace. As I was studying for this message, I said, you probably got somebody in the White House, Lord, saved and full of the Holy Ghost. You probably got a, a congressman and a senator up there in that wicked, evil city in that corrupt uh, form of government saved and full of the Holy Ghost. You probably got somebody in the governor's mansion saved and full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody in the, uh, you know, in the county commission seat saved and full of the Holy Ghost. In the mayor's office saved and full of the Holy Ghost. On the police force saved and full of the Holy Ghost. In a firehouse saved and full of the Holy Ghost. In an ambulance uh, somewhere saved and full of the Holy Ghost. In a classroom somewhere, saved and full of the Holy Ghost. On a school board somewhere, saved and full of the Holy Ghost. In a prison yard. In a jail cell. As a warden or a prison keeper or a prison guard. You've got somebody saved and full of the Holy Ghost. Your representation. Somewhere in the most unlikely place, in the direst of circumstances, God has somebody there to help others who are going to need help in a time of need. I'd like to say that God could put me in a strategic place, that there's going to be somebody there in the most unlikely of times. It's going to need God. God's going to say, not the word. I got one there. Who were these saints mentioned by the Apostle Paul? Who were they? I know about Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. I know about Joseph. I know about the Apostle Paul. Who were the ones he was talking about? They were unnamed saints. Maybe they were relatives of Caesar himself. This Caesar in particular was Nero, probably the most wicked and vile Caesar of all Caesars. He was rotten to the core, totally demon-possessed. History says that he had his own mother and his sons executed. Because he feared they were a threat to his dominion and power. A man have his own mama killed. He's full of the devil. A man kill his own sons because he thinks they're going to rule when he's gone. He's full of the devil. Then if that wasn't enough, he burned his own city. He set Rome on fire so that for one reason, so that he could blame Christians, make the whole city hate them. And the Bible said he would sew them up in the skins of an animal. Sew them up in the skin of a dead animal. Tie them to a, a pole. Pitch them in tar and set them on fire alive. This is the kind of man that Nero, the Caesar of Paul's day was. His own family 
was most likely terrified of it. And the only one who wasn't was some guy that the church called the Apostle Paul. I'm going to stand before Caesar. I'm going to do a little preaching, a little testifying, because that's what God said I was called to do. God don't want Caesar to die in his wicked, vile, corrupt sin without at least having heard the gospel one time. I am going to live long enough to stand before Caesar right there in that house and I'm going to tell him about my Jesus. Hallelujah. And he said to the church in Philippi, while he is in Rome awaiting execution, he said, all of this is fallen unto me for the furtherance of the gospel. All this has happened so that people can hear the gospel preached. And you know what? History doesn't say that Caesar, Nero, got saved. But history does say, and Bible said, that there's some family members in Nero's court. There's some slaves and servants in Nero's house. There's some prison guards that's keeping watch of the Apostle Paul. He didn't get saved, but he had relatives that did. He didn't get saved, but there were slaves and servants that worked for him in his house that did. He didn't get saved, but the very one that led him to the chopping block stood and wept and cried and said was one of the choice Christians of the Apostle Paul's day that Paul wanting to the Lord and when he saw the boldness in which Paul died, when they led him out of the prison court uh, toward the guillotine where he's going to take his head from him they said the apostle Paul broke loose uh, and ran and laid his head down on the chopping block and said I'm ready I'm ready they said that man become one of the chief, one of the chief and choice Christians in that early church at the Apostle Paul's witness. He said, all of this is fallen to me for the furtherance of the gospel and so that people that see it, that hear it and know it might have boldness to speak the word of God without fear. What can you do to a child of God to threaten him? Throw him in prison, I'm going to have a prison ministry. You kill me, I'm going to heaven. I will not fear what man can do to me. I love God. Thank you, Lord. Psalms 56 and 1. I read this Tuesday night, but I thought it, it needed to be read again. He said, be merciful unto me. Oh, God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Saints in the king's palace. 
saints in Caesar's household. It's falling out to me for the furtherance of the gospel. God's got me here so that people in the most wicked, vile place in the world can have hope God will save them. There are unnamed millions around the world who are currently, right now, today, willing to lay down their life for the name of Jesus Christ to be heard. They're serving faithfully where the Lord has called them. They live in mud houses with grass thatch roofs. They live in corrugated shanty huts that we would burn up and feel like we're going to die of a heat stroke. Ain't no way I could serve God in that. Ain't no way I could worship God in those conditions. Somewhere somebody's willing. Somewhere somebody is. God's got saints in the most dangerous, in the most unlikely, in the most despicable places that will always be willing to give their life so somebody else can know he died to save you. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. They're serving faithfully where the Lord's called them in government and military and school boards and schoolhouses and hospitals, boardrooms, police officers, firefighters, wardens and prison guards. God still uses people in strategic places for his plan and purpose to be fulfilled in the earth. They were unnamed saints. We want our recognition, don't we? We want our name recognized. We want our fame. We want our glory. We want our due. We want our just reward. But I want to tell you, you may have to wait till you get to heaven to get that. Some of the choicest people on planet Earth, their name has never been in a marquee light. Not in anybody's book of martyrs. But God put them in his book. The book of life. He knows their name. He stationed them. He positioned them. He chose them, called them, and placed them. And in just a little while, they're about to hear words, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. They were saints of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. This walk, this journey, or this sojourning will require faith on your part. Don't you know it required faith for the Apostle Paul to write epistles of encouragement while in a prison cell? What's the crime? He loves Jesus. What's the crime? He believes the Lord. What's the crime? He's living for God. Don't you know it took faith on his part to love the very ones that were guarding his cell? Don't you know it took faith on his part to love a man who burned the whole city? Who'd kill his own mama and his own sons for, for political power? Don't you know it took faith in a thrice holy God to enable him to love such heathen people? He could have said, 
They all deserve hell. They're all a demon possessed, a pagan, false, God-worshipping bunch of sinners that deserve to go to hell. But he said, no, no, I was the cheapest of sinners. And he said, when I get before Caesar, I'm going to tell him I was the cheapest of sinners. I lived to destroy the church. I lived to imprison people and to put men to death. But God found me on the road to Damascus and he saved my sinful soul and he'll save yours if you let him. Don't you know that took faith? I want to tell you it takes faith in God. God will be your vindication. God will defend you. You'll stand before God in purity of heart, integrity of character. You'll stand before God and he'll say, this is my servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will recompense. Don't you know it took faith for him not to retaliate? Faith for him not to fight back. Uh, Faith to say, I'm guilty of what I've been accused of. Loving God. I'm going to stand before Caesar. I'm not backing down. I'm going to give my life. But it's falling to the furtherance of the gospel. He told the the, the men in Acts chapter number 20, I believe it was in Ephesus, uh, he told those Ephesian leaders, you ain't going to see my face no more. I'm on my way to Rome. They are going to kill me, but it's all into the furtherance of the gospel. Men are going to see my faith. Men are going to hear my message. They're going to love God. And preachers are going to come up out of my wake. I won't be the last one. Men are going to preach this gospel without fear. That's why. That's why. That's why God has called me. What if we only went to places that were easy to go to? Glenn told me one year, he said, Pastor, he said, you go into the DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, he said, that's one of the most dangerous places on earth. I didn't know that. Kind of wish he wouldn't have told me that. And you know, I prayed about that. And God said, if I can't send you, who can go for me? I can't send a man full of the Holy Ghost, full of faith and of the power of the Holy Ghost. Recommend me somebody that I can send. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know why we went? We went so that the people that tried to kill us while we were there could be saved. There's a Muslim world people are willing to lay their life down so that those bound in Islam can know that Jesus died to save them. Mm -hmm. They were saints of faith. They were saints of courage. Be strong and be very courageous for I will be with you. No man will be able to stand against you. Amen. Everywhere the sole of your foot shall trod, I will give to you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The church is going to reign and rule with Christ. This world don't belong to the Antichrist. It don't belong to the devil. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We got the right, the right by God to preach it. To declare it. We have to be saints of faith and of courage and they were saints of loyalty. 
Be thou faithful unto death. I will give unto thee a crown of life. Where do we find saints today? I gotta close, I gotta hurry. In Christian homes. Ephesians 5 and 23, for the husband's head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of the body. He went on to talk about the family unit, husband and the wife, even the children. Where do we find saints? You'll find them in homes, Christian homes, where husbands, being the head of that household, will lead their family in godly discretion and godly instruction. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, my kids don't want to go to church. Well, they will after they understand why they need to go to church. They need to know why you're in the house of God. They need to know who saved your soul. And they need to know he's the most important thing in your life. And they need to see and know you're head over heels in love with him. And you intend to live for him the rest of your day. And when they see what's important to you, it'll be important to them. When they know what's important to you, it'll become important to them. Can't nobody do that like you can, Daddy. Can't nobody do that like you can, Mama. Where do we find such saints? In the house. In the house. They say today it takes a village. Meaning they want to raise your kids. In, in school board districts all across liberal woke states, uh, you can't tell us what we can and can't teach your children in school. They're, I, Biden said, these are our children. No, they ain't, baby. They ain't your children. They're our children. We dedicated our children to the Lord. We make vows in our baby dedications, that we are going to instruct our children in the ways of God. And if your ways ain't his ways, you can take a hike. I'll stand against you, or I'll pull them out, and I'll teach them myself. <laughs> Amen. Where do we find such saints in the home? Where do we find such saints in the business? Places. Romans 12 and 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. You'll find saints of God on the construction yeah. site. Yeah. You'll find saints of God in the hospital as nurses, doctors. Right. You'll find them in the jails as wardens, as prison guards. You'll find them with a badge on their chest as police officers. You'll find them putting out fires, rescuing people, serving people in an ambulance. You'll find them in the least likely places everywhere around you. Maybe a door greeter at Walmart. But God's got them somewhere. You'll find them among our young people. The devil don't have them all. You hear me? I said the devil don't have them all. Ephesians 6 and 1 children, obey your parents and the Lord. For this is right. You'll find them amongst young people. 
that are sold out and dedicated and committed to God. Right. Yes, Lord. You'll get made fun of for purity. Make fun of me. It's impurity that I delight to give witness to my Lord. You people are strange. You people are weird. Why do you go to church all the time? Why do you look like you do? Why do you act like you do? Because I'm a Christian. And I ain't afraid to tell you. They're the ones afraid. Not us. You say, what are you talking about? Start talking to them about the coming of the Lord. You scatter like a covey of quail. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid you folks are right. I'm afraid the Lord's coming back. And I'm afraid I ain't ready. I don't want to hear talk like that. We got young people today. Saved full of the Holy Ghost. Their lives are witness. But you don't have to live that way. You can be ready when Jesus comes back. You can be young like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. You can be young like Joseph that withstood Potiphar's wife. You can live for God no matter what. Curse if you come help me. I could, I, I could go on so many different scenarios I could preach about. If you're able, stand with me this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the word of God this morning. Father, I felt like somebody would be here today that's lost. Somebody would be here today that's still bound by sin. But God, you've placed them and myself here for such a time as this. God, you had me in Foley, Alabama on the right day at the right time so that they could hear this message. Father, everything I've endured, every battle you've ever won on my behalf, every valley you've ever brought me through, all the faith you've ever given me to believe you yes, for deliverance in every test and in every trial was for this day is fallen to the furtherance of the gospel so that somebody might hear and believe so that somebody might be able to speak the word of God with boldness when they face their, their, their trial, their battle, their test. They wouldn't back down. They wouldn't give up. They wouldn't lose hope. But they too would be faithful, even unto death. God, I pray you'd search every heart and know us, everyone today. That you'd save the lost. Some here today, right in the middle of their battle, right in the middle of their test, their trial. God, I pray that they would see we're surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Joseph cheers them on from above today. Daniel and the three Hebrew boys cheer them on from above today. The Apostle Paul's testimony and witness cheers them on in their faith today that they're not alone. That you're with them. And you'll be with them through every temptation through every test, through every trial. And that God, you'd give them courage, you'd give them faith, you would give them boldness to be able to stand. I pray today, Lord, if there's one here that's sick in their body, they'd be healed. I pray we'd all leave as believers full of the Holy Ghost today. Meet us in this altar is our prayer. How about it, friend? Will you meet me in this altar this morning?
If you're here lost, why don't you be the first one to step out and come down and say, Lord, I do need to be saved, and I believe you're a Savior. Hallelujah, I want to be saved from my sin. I want you to write my name in the book of life. If you're sick in your body, come on down. Believe that God's able to heal you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're right in the middle of a test, to try a difficulty, a battle, why don't you come down and say, It's fallen to me, Lord, for the furtherance of the gospel. Grant unto me faith that I can be faithful unto death. Hallelujah. That I can be counted, oh God, worthy to suffer for your name's sake. Oh God.